for you today. Sam Wayne, this guy here, is going to take you to lunch. He's going to pay for it. <laughs> That's your gift for being here today. I'm just kidding. Actually, pray for Sam. I'm going to be hunting with him all week. Yeah, he needs prayer, definitely, for sure, no doubt. We're glad to have you here today. I'm preaching a message. It's entitled, God So Loved. And let me start with a, a, a lunch that I had on uh, Friday. Uh, Christy and I had lunch with a friend of ours on Friday, and just a wonderful person. This person takes a piece of paper and slides it across the, uh, the table at me and says, we're going to have a terrible two years. That's what she said. She said, we're going to have a terrible two, two years. And I look at her, and I said, no, I'm not going to have any terrible years. That's what I told her. And, 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 and then I encourage, you ever preach yourself happy? You ever preach yourself happy? So what I did was I said, let me, let me look, at, look at this scripture. And I read this to you not long ago in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Here's what it said. It says, and Jesus said this. I'm not even preaching on this, but I just want to bring it up to you. <clears throat> and this is what I told this person. And I said unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if you're part of the church, then you're not going to be prevailed against. I think, let me go over here because I didn't get enough amens over here. If you're the church, then you're not going to be prevailed against. That means that there's nothing, that things will come against you, but there's nothing will prosper. The Bible tells us no weapon formed that is formed against us will prosper. Because we're the church. We're the leaders of this thing. Not the White House or the outhouse. I'm telling you, the church is the leadership of this world, changing the world. So I read that scripture, and boy, I tell you what, I could have took a shouting fit right there in that restaurant. And then I said, when you think about, you think about that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, and if you're part of the church, then guess what? You're under the umbrella covering of, of God. He will protect you in Jesus' name. So then I went over, and I said, let me show you this other scripture <clears throat> over in Ephesians chapter 6. And I said, look at this, in verse 16, and, and she, this person said, you know, you're going to have a, a terrible two years because of the economy and all this thing. And I said, no. I said, but the, listen to what the Bible says. Above all, taking on the shield of faith, wherewith that you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Not just some of them, but all of the fiery darts of the wicked. So does that tell you that the fiery darts are going to, be, are going to come? Yes. But it tells me that I can quench. Carlos, that means I can put it out. I can put it out. I got the power inside of me to put it out. And if, but you know why? Not on me, but because of Jesus. Because I'm part of the church. I'm under the umbrella covering of the church. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when you look at, let me finish the rest of that, all the fiery darts of the wicked. There's a war upon us, but there's a bigger war upon Satan. And our job is to push back the spirit of darkness and to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. Somebody give him a praise offering in the house today. And then I went over, I said, no, no, I said, I said, that's not for me. And then I went over into Luke chapter 10, and, and here's, what, here's what Jesus said in chapter 10, verse 18. He said, and, and I always picture Jesus sitting up against a uh, Monte Carlo, 65 model Monte Carlo. Here we go. Eating an apple. <laughs> here's what he says. I beheld Satan fall like lightning. <laughs> Wow. And here's what verse 19 says. He said, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, say that with me, all, the power of the enemy. Now, Jesus is not discrediting the power of the enemy. He said that, yes, he does have power, but you have more power over the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 20, uh, stop there. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. The, 20, the, the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 91. No plague will go by my dwelling. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. 
Okay, verse 20 says this. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that, you, that, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven. But here's the thing. Understand something is that the spirits are subject to you because you're the church. I expected more amens out of that one. The, spirit, the, 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 the spirits are subject to you because you're the church. You're not subject to them. You're not the status quo. You don't have to live in the world of poverty. You don't have to live in the world of addiction. Because Jesus embarrassed the devil at Calvary and you are free. All you got to do is realize who you are. <laughs> and when you realize who you are, no devil, no demon will occupy your soul or your heart. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm preaching a message today and, and this person started agreeing with me. You know, I'm not looking for dark days. I'm looking for great days. Hallelujah. Amen. So when you look at John chapter 3, John 3.16, if you want to go there, it's on the screen. Uh, here's what it says. And I'm preaching a message entitled, God So Loved. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, we're the whosoever, believeth in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What I do with the Word of God is I read it forwards, and then I read it backwards. And then I put me into it as well. So what this tells me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So when I read that backwards, it tells me that if I do not believe him, then I do not have everlasting life. That means I'll go to hell. Hell is not a, a territory that you and me are to occupy. It's not for us. It's for the devil and the false prophet and all the wicked and not for us. You are to, to, to be John 10.10. John 10.10, Jesus said that I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But the enemy said, but, but what Jesus says about what the enemy's goal is on your life, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. To make your life miserable is what the enemy's job is. But we can be different because God so loved that he sent his only begotten son. My wife asked me one time, she said, would you go to hell for your kids? I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to hell for nobody. Hell is not a place that I'm not supposed to be. And people say, well, if you loved your kids, you'd go to hell for them. I'm not going to hell for nobody. I'm not. And my kids have been around Christianity long enough, and thank God both of them are saved. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't do it. But let me tell you, and let me define, uh, and let's break this down, what, when God says, God so loved the world, let me tell you what the world is. It's the earth, it's, to, it's together uh, with all of the country and all the people. God so loved all of us. So when you say, when you repeat this after me, for God so loved the world. Now where the world is, put your name. For God so loved John. Come on, you got to do it with it. Not, don't say John. But say your name. For God so loved, he gave his son for you. So that you could have life and that you could have it more abundantly. Isn't that the good word of today? So, so let, me, let me tell you this. Uh, does God love, um, and, and we're always good about this, so, so bear with me. <coughs> so you're saying that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yes. And who's of this world? The homosexual? Yeah, he loves the homosexual. He loved, loves the people that are, that are uh, messing in transgender. He loves those. He loves the lesbian. He loves the Republicans. He loves the Democrats. He loves the child molester. He loves the bad husband, and he loves the nagging wife. I didn't look down, Dad. I stayed focused. 
stayed focused. <laughs> so God so loved, and he loves everyone. <laughs> People argue the fact is, they say, well, if God loves somebody, then he won't send you to hell. He doesn't send anybody to hell. You send yourself to hell. You send yourself to hell. And, and guess what? You don't have to go to hell. And you're not here by accident. You're here because God led you here to, at 12 noon today. He led you here to hear this message and to listen to the singing and to see the testifying and whatever. <coughs> now, one thing I will tell you this. God does not approve of sin. He doesn't approve of the homosexuality, the lesbian, the transgenders, uh, the bad husbands, the nagging wife, the child molesters. He doesn't, he doesn't go with that. And, and in Leviticus chapter 18, let me show you this. Leviticus 18, 22, this is where he tells it. The New Living Translation says, Do not practice homosexuality, having sex with another man or another woman. And he says here that it is an abomination. So here's the great thing about God. God did not tell the church to be the judge. I thought I'd get a little bit more amens out of that. God did not call you to be a fruit inspector. It's not your job. Aren't you glad? I'm glad it's not my job to be. A, look, you're going to know. You know somebody if they're saved or not. You know that. But he said it is an abomination. These things have already been judged. God's already judged it. <laughs> In John 3.17 is almost as important as 3.16. It says this, For God sent not his Son unto the world to condemn the world. <clears throat> the Bible tells us, Sandy, over, uh, over in the Scripture it says this, that Jesus could only heal a few sick folk in Nazareth. That's what he said. The Bible also said that he marveled at their unbelief. Nazareth, where he's from. And then the Bible says that Jesus got sick of it. He flipped them off and he left because he was sick of them. And that's not what he says. Let me tell you what he said. He went teaching in his country. What do you think he was teaching? Faith. He didn't tell them, well, just forget about you. And there's words that you could put in there. Uh, just forget about you. If you don't have faith, you could just, so just be sick. That's okay. No. Says he went about teaching. Teaching faith. Teaching people to be what God wants them to be. So let's break this down. When you define condemn, it, it means to, to express complete disapproval. That's God's job, not our job. Jesus said that I didn't come to do that, but I came, as I said before, I came into this world, but not to condemn it, but that the world might be saved. That's why the church is here. That's why we're here, plowing the soil. You and I, working together, rolling our hands up, rolling our sleeves up to, to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people who will listen. There are, are 10,000 unchurched people in Braxton County. We got to get them in. We've got to get them in. You know how we get them in? An example. By being the example. You know another way that we can get them in? Isn't it amazing to you and me that people are paranoid or they're, they're concerned or they're afraid to invite somebody to church when the number one reason why somebody comes to church is because they were invited. It's amazing that it's easy to talk about uh, the restaurant, you know, the, uh, the movie that you watched, uh, and it, you could tell anybody about that, or, or the race on Sunday, or the football game that happened, uh, you know, those kind of things. Uh, but yet, when, when we invite somebody to church, 
Where I live in Cross, I live in Putnam County, Christy and I do, and uh, one thing about uh, Putnam County, right on the border of Putnam County and, and Cross Lanes, West Virginia, there's a place called the Golden Corral. I call it the trough. That's where people go to graze. <laughs> it's a truth. It's a truth. Evangelist Scott Means and, and I met some people down there when the tent meeting was going on. I never seen so. It was ugly. That's all I can say. It was ugly. And yeah, careful. John Sandy loves there. He only likes eating there if there's a coupon. If there's a coupon, he'll eat there. If it's full price, he ain't paying it. I even got his friendship half price. I mean, that's just the way he is, you know. Two for one. <laughs> but it was amazing because of COVID, it was closed down for a long time. And then it opened back up. And man, when it opened back up, you thought that it was a brand new restaurant. People were talking about it all over the place. But let me tell you something that people are going to talk about within the Pulse Church soon. They're going to talk about did you hear that such and such that had been an alcoholic for 35 years got saved and got delivered? <coughs> did, did you hear about such and such that the, that the Braxton County Ambulance Authority pulled an ambulance up in the back here and they brought somebody in that was in a, that was in a bed because something was wrong with them and they heard that they had faith in this church and then they brought them down front, not in a casket but in a bed and they prayed for them and they got healed and they walked out? We're going to be hearing about stuff like that. Grant it so, Lord. Amen. We're going to see people delivered, people set free, marriages restored, finances restored in people's lives. Let me tell you something. This is what the church is all about. Seeing people set free and delivered. You don't have to live in the life that you're in. You can change, and God can change your heart. I promise you. When you define the word Christian, that means to be like Jesus. We got to be like Jesus. We got to be just like him. We got to act like him. We got to talk like him. We got to be, be just like him. So Jesus wasn't sent to condemn. So my question is this, why is the church trying to be God? Because God is the only one that can judge. But why is the church being the judge? Let me tell you something. I don't know about you. I got saved when I was 11 years old. I'm, all, I'm 54, so do the math. Uh, over 42 years that, I, that I've been saved. And let me tell you something. I have been on this walk, and let me tell you something. He loves me, and he cares about me. But let me tell you, even at 12 years old, I deserved hell. Because I was born into sin. How many people have grandchildren? How many people have children? You don't have to teach your child to lie. Do you? They know how to lie. And you didn't teach them. It's the sin nature of man. It's born in there. You don't teach your kid to lie. If you do, you may, you may want to check in, man. Something's wrong there. But, but let me tell you something. It's that sin nature that's inside of us that needs work. And when God saves us, and I'm going to show you how to do that here in just a few minutes. When God saves us, and I can't explain it, but there's a supernatural transformation that takes place in your heart and in your spirit. And I'll tell you what, you know, when I got saved at 11 years old, it was at the Cross Lanes United Methodist Church is where I was saved. There wasn't an altar call. There wasn't 12 verses of just as I am. I looked over at my mom, and I said, Jesus is calling me. And I accepted him. I accepted him. You say, well, that, well that's not salvation. You're supposed to be, able, be convicted and, and go to the altar and cry and all that. Well, 
I've been saved for 42 years and I never did that. I never went to an altar and asked Jesus into my heart. I sat right there in that pew and I said, I accept you, Lord. And it's been one of the greatest things that I've ever done in my life. So Jesus wasn't sent to condemn. We're to be like Jesus, so that means we leave the condemning and the judging to God. Our job is to get them in. Get them saved. Our responsibility, like, like Tim is talking about here a little bit ago, is to make disciples. When you look at Matthew 28 and verses 18 through 20, and you, you read that particular part, here's what it says, 18 through 20. <clears throat> Jesus said this. And Jesus came and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, which is in heaven and earth. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. A lot of alls today, Tori. A lot of alls in the scripture. Teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things. Another all. Whatsoever I have commanded thee. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. This is the great commission. This is what God has called us to do. To bring in the unchurched. Because God is love. Then when you look at Matthew chapter 3, and let me read this to you. A lot of word today. Matthew chapter 3, 1 through 6. Here, I did a, I did a podcast. Uh, I do a podcast five days a week. Have different guests each week uh, that are on these podcasts. But I was solo uh, for, for most of the week except for Thursday when John was on there. But I did, a, I did a podcast called The Silent Voice. And if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go to Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. You could go to all the websites and be able to find it. But I encourage you to listen to it. But I want to talk about that for a minute. But here's what Jesus said. Or here's what in Matthew chapter 3, here's what it says. In those days came John the Baptist preaching into the wilderness of Judea. And he said to repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. You can go to the book of Isaiah and see this exactly. It, it's in the book of Isaiah. I read it the other day. Saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same, and the same John had his remnant of camel hair and leathern uh, girded with his loins, and his meat of locusts and wild honey. Right there, I'll take the trough any day. Verse 5 says, Then went out into him Jerusalem and Judea, and all the regions, again, all the regions around Jordan. So you think about all the regions around us here and around our Putnam County campus, you think about that. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. Getting them in. He went out of him to Jerusalem and Judea, all the other regions, and were baptized of him of Jordan and confessing their sins. Does anybody in the house have any sins that are unconfessed? Look at your toes, look at your feet, you don't have to look up at me. Anything that you need to confess that you've done, let me tell you something. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus went to a cross and they put a nail in each one of his hands, put one in his feet and they pierced his side and they put a crown of thorns on him and they mocked him. He took one on the chin for me so that I could live. They, they, they killed him so that I could live. It's not a fair exchange. It's really not. But now... Because of my salvation experience and because of your salvation experience, it's our job to serve him and to love him and to tell people about him. They were baptized and they, they, confessed, all their, uh, they confessed their sins. Now let me tell you something about when you confess your sins. When you come to Jesus, 
which I hope some of you will today, and accept him and, and get a clean slate, you come to Jesus, all you have to do is believe in him. I'm going to read this in a minute. That you believe in him, but also you confess your sins. And you ask him to forgive you of your sins. You don't have to confess them all. <coughs> you don't have to confess with him what you did in your high school years. Some of you may not even be in your high school years yet. Maybe they're all downstairs. But the thing about it is that you have to understand all you have to say is, Father, you know them all, and I ask you to forgive me. And mean it in your heart. At that point, you start believing in Him. Guess what? At that point, you don't have to go to hell. J.D.'s stepfather, Mike, passed away two weeks ago. I was on my way up. We were doing a fundraiser. Uh, Don and J.D. were working on a fundraiser. I get a, I get a phone call that said Mike is uh, at the hospital. And, and uh, Sandy, uh, was, uh, he went up to Sandy at the house. He said, I'm having chest pains. She took his blood pressure. She said, we're going to the hospital. True story. This happened. I'm not making this up. Takes him to the hospital. He goes in. They're getting his vital signs. He, he's laying in the bed. He's getting up in the bed. And he quits. His heart stops. Right down here where they live. The Braxton County Hospital, his heart quits when he gets there. They bring him back. I was there when they took him out, of the, uh, took him out and put him in a helicopter and, and airlifted him to Ruby Memorial in Morgantown. Never knowing that that would be the last time that I would ever see him. Because he died the next day. They shocked him. They, they tried to bring him back one time and it took 32 minutes to bring him back. This happened in the community just two weeks ago. As you get older, as you get older, Life seems to be a little bit more important than what it does when you're 17, 18 years old. Anybody testify in the house? Because a lot of times you're getting more, you know, people say, well, you know, if I live to be 85 or I live to be, uh, to, to be 90, look, it's not years in this thing, it's days. Take your age and, and, and times it by 365, to see how many days you live, that you've actually lived, and then do the average of that your particular age on how many people live to be that age. It's days. If I live to be 85 years old, which I don't know, if I live to be 85 years old, I think I have like 1,700 more days left. Does that not put reality to you? That's if I live to be 85. And I could be off on the numbers a little bit, but it's been a while since I've done that. So Mike leaves this world in a matter of hours. And you think that you're going to live forever. Let me tell you something. I want to leave through the rapture. I do. I want to leave through the rapture. But the Lord's not told me that I'm not going to die at some point. But let me tell you something. 
I want to live out every day that I'm supposed to, but Olivia, I don't want to stay a day later than I'm supposed to either. I want to leave exactly when I'm supposed to leave. And I've got it all planned out in my will, and I've got it all wrote out, who's to preach, who's to sing, and I told them, do not read the 23rd Psalm at my funeral. Just had to get that off my chest. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yes, but when you. That's a whole different. That's a whole different sermon. That thing's not for the dead. It's for the living. So I'm preaching. So I'm teaching this. This um, podcast the other day, which I do five days a week, and it's entitled The Silent Voice. And here's what I said. I believe even though the church has its mouth closed to salvation, the church is still speaking, we don't care. I said that in the podcast. I believe, I'm quoting me. I believe even though the church has its mouth closed to salvation, the church is speaking, even though the mouth is shut. We don't care. Because if we did care, we'd be bringing people to Jesus. You don't have to get people to church to get them saved. You can get them saved on the soccer field at the airport. You could get them saved at the Wendy's down the street. It doesn't matter. You can get people saved anywhere. You say, well, I do care. But yet, you have a silent voice. Listen to what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says this. Here's what it says. And this is how you get saved. Here's what it says. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It says, that if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt believe in thy heart, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Isn't that awesome? Pretty simple. See, the devil tries to complicate that, but, but when you look about it, all you have to do is do something that says this. Confess him with thy mouth. Not your husband, not your wife, not your girlfriend, not your boyfriend, not your, uh, your children, not your grandparents, but you confess the Lord Jesus and thou shalt believe in thy heart that, thou shalt, that Jesus was raised from the dead and you believe that God did that, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth he confession is made unto salvation. Which means that you've accepted him. So my question to you today is what are you confessing? What are you confessing? Are you confessing Jesus? Are you confessing Jesus into your heart? Are you saying I am a Christian? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How are you living? Are you living like the devil? Or are you living like Jesus? This is where the decision is made right now. You ask yourself this question. If I died today, if I died today, where would I go? If I died today, where would I go? You say, well, I'm not going to die today. Well, two weeks ago, J.D., do you think Mike thought he was going to die? We sung at a man's, at, at a pastor's um, uh, ordination service. Mike Todorovich is his name. Wonderful man. Dear friend of ours. Known him for a long time. We sung at his, his ordination service. His mother was there. 
I remember meeting her. She was dead in 24 hours. She died that night, didn't she? My mom come down the steps of the house 10 years ago, coming January, and, and she told dad that she was having chest pains. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm being real. And, and she drove and cooked the day before, and she, she said she was having chest pains. She sat right down there in the chair, and she died. Didn't get to say goodbye, nothing. Three days later, I'm preaching her funeral. This thing's real. So if you died today, which I hope you don't, but if you died today, where would you go? I make eye contact with every one of you. Where would you go? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Let me tell you how you can fix it. Here's what you're telling yourself right now. You're saying this. Well, I got to quit this and I got to quit that. I got to stop this. I got to straighten up here. And then when I do, Jesus will love me and I'll get saved. Honey, that ain't how it works. You come to him just as you are. Without one plea, just as I am. Without one plea. You come to him just as you are. Because guess what? If you try to clean yourself up, he's going to mess it all up anyway and clean you up the way he wants you to be anyway because you're going to make a mess of yourself again. It's a truth. It's a truth, isn't it, Carlos? It's a truth. That's the way it works. I can't explain it, but when you, come, when you ask him to forgive you of your sins and believe in your heart that you're saved, there's a transformation that takes place and you will act different. His spirit begins to intertwine with your spirit. There's a song that we used to sing as a family group, I found a better way. I don't go the places I used to go and I don't say the things that I used to say because I found a better way. And then people tell me this, they say, well, if I get saved then I'm going to have to get a different set of friends. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Get them saved and you don't have to change friends. Is it not the truth? Come on now. So where are you? Dim the lights a little bit, J.D., and let's give people some privacy. And let's just, let's just ask yourself, and, and you say, well, okay, you got me. No, the Holy Spirit's got you. And it's like, you, you got me here because I, I know I need to get saved. I need to change. I need to do this. So, so how do I do it? Well, you know, you can pray in your seat if you like. I like coming to an altar. Let me tell you why. I like coming to an altar because here's where things die. Here's where the old man dies. The old man dies here. Or you can come straight to me right here and I'll help you and I'll pray with you. And when you turn around and walk away, you'll be saved. <coughs> then you get in a Bible-believing church. I can highly recommend you one right here. And then you start following God. Living right. So let me ask you today. If you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Let me ask you another question. You may have been at one point on fire with God. Reading your Bible, going to church on a regular basis, and something happened in your life and you fell away from Him. Well, you knew how to get, it, to, get to Him one time, so you should know how to get back to Him a second time. 
No matter what you've done, He'll take you. Because He loves you. He cares so much about you. I haven't preached a salvation message in, in, in a long time. And let me tell you something. He's just all over me with this thing. And I'm so thankful for it. So stand to your feet. Many people, they tell me, they say, well, I have to stop this. You know, Christianity is not always about the things that you have to stop. It's about the things that you have to start. And so I want to encourage you today. If you once walked with Jesus and, and you feel like that you're backslidden, would you just step out? Go ahead and play something and, and just step out. Just step out of your seat right now. If you knew today that you used to walk with Jesus and you're not where you need to be with him right now, step out. Just, just step out. And if you want somebody to come with you, get them by the hand and say, you're going with me. I'm talking to the ones that are backslid, the ones that once walked with Jesus and now you don't. And, and you need, to, you need to, to, to get right with him. And, and come right here to me and I will pray with you. And when, I promise you when you leave, you will be saved. If you feel like it's your backslid, step out right now. You're not here by accident. And then, for the ones that have never been saved, you say, I don't want to go to hell. I'll never forget, I was preaching as a, as a young preacher, about 21 years old. And we sung at the Union Mission down on uh, Mission Holler down in Cross or down in Canal City. We sung there, and there was a fellow that came up front, and he looks at me because if you stay at the Union Mission, you got to go to church. And God was all over this man, and he comes forward and he he tells me he's an older man. I'm a young guy young preacher and he looks at me and he says I've been a homosexual for 38 years and I don't want to go to hell how do I fix it and I led him to Jesus and he accepted Jesus into his heart and life this is a place right now People get a lot of, they, they get real sentimental around the holiday season. But let me tell you something. Let's talk about it right now. Let's talk about where are you right now. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would split hell wide open, you ought to run to this altar. You ought to run up here to me to where I can pray with you. So let me ask you, where are you? You ready to make that commitment? No, I'm not ready yet. Come to him, would you? Step out. Step out, would you? Say, I don't want to go to hell. Melissa left work one day from daycare two over here and she was going somewhere just a normal day and her car gets totaled and she gets hit by a drunk driver totaled her car just a few months before that you accepted Jesus into your life what if she happened what if she was killed I'm not trying to scare you into salvation. I'm just trying to tell you things happen. And I don't want to see you go to hell. So I ask you one more time, and I'm going to count to three. You don't want to go to hell? When I get to three, you step out. I don't want to go to hell, Pastor John. One, two, three. Step out. It's your day. This is the day for you to be saved. You don't want to go to hell. Because if you don't change, you will. 
And I don't want you to go to hell. Joey felt like she needed to come because somebody may wanted to come and didn't want to be at an empty altar. Would you step, some of you step out? Would you come and pray? Would you come and put your hand behind some of these people that are praying? Would you, would you make sure that they're saved? Make sure that they're where they need to be with Jesus? You say, well, that's your job. You're the preacher. No, no, no. It's our job to get people saved, get people into the kingdom of God. Amen. Step out. If you're not where you need to be, you're not by yourself. You got people up here. Step out. God's doing things in the house today. You want to rededicate your life. You're not by yourself. There's other people at the altar. Other people at the altar praying. Praying for you. Some of you all, we've been praying for all week on our prayer call that you get saved. How many people here want to go to hell? You say, I can't wait to get there. No. If that's you, step out. You don't have to go to hell. Accept it. Accept it. You want to rededicate your life. Maybe you feel like you're just cold inside and you're, you need to talk to Jesus. There's spots available on this side of the altar. Come and pray. This is my spot. When I come in and pray, I come and pray all the time. And this is my spot right here. You can have my spot today. Right there. That's my spot. That's where I pray. Those that are around the altar, you just say, Father, forgive me wherever, whatever I've done. Forgive me. I rededicate my life to you. I ask you to forgive me, God. I ask you to help me to get it right. Can you pray that prayer today? Others need to come. Christians need to come. Come and pray for revival. Come and pray for people to be saved.
There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty. me in mercy I am clean oh yeah there's nothing to dirty that you can't make worthy you wash me in mercy I am in the blood of your sacrifice your blood flowed red and made me white my dirty rags are purified I am clean washed in the blood of your sacrifice your blood flowed red and made me The altar's open. Altar's open. Still moving. Olivia, come here just a second.
You can be seated if you need to. We just don't want to. We just don't want to rush God here. If you have to go, it's understandable. Thank God, still moving. It's the Lord speaking to you about. room today that are struggling in your mind with how much you felt like you failed the Lord. I've, I've sensed that even during um, the, the sermon. It's like it's racing through, and it's not just one person, it's probably like 10 people that the Lord, and I don't know who you are specifically, but the Lord is, is just giving this to me, that some of you are so worried that you've messed up and you've gone so far and that you're so far away from him and that you're so, you've fallen and you've messed up and, and you're, you've got this checklist like the DMV and you're saying, um, I haven't read enough today. My Bible is here. I, I read one verse and that was it. Um, I only prayed for 10 minutes today. It's like this checklist and the Lord has nothing to do with checklist. He's not interested in that. He just wants your heart. He just wants you to be with him. He just wants you to soak him in. He wants to encounter you. He wants to pour love on you. Who he is is a loving God. He's not interested in everything you do right and everything you do wrong. He's not sitting there looking down saying, I knew they were going to mess up. That's not the God we serve. He's looking at you in love. And he said, come be with me. That's the word he gave me this morning to share and release. He said, be with me. I'm here. My voice is here. I'm accessible to you. And I'm enabling you to do things. And that's what, that's what he wants you to know this morning. So many times, some of us get, and I'll just say that, some of us, because this used to be me. I, used to, I grew up in church my whole life, and I thought it was a checklist. I missed it for so many years. I was saved at eight, and I'm 32 now, so you can do the math like he said. Um, but I, for so many years, I missed it. Maybe when I was 19, I got it. Because I, I, I felt his Holy Spirit and I knew his love. And the moment that I sat in his love and I said, wow, there's a depth to this thing. There's some love that will change your life. And when you find that love, I sat there for hours just to be with him because I said, wow, there's nothing in this world that could ever compare to this love. That is what he wants for you. He's not interested in how much, of course he wants you to read and, and he wants you to pray because it's for you. It's for you. If the word is here to help you navigate through life, it's, help, it's helping you hear his voice. It's not uh, just something to him, you know, that we, of course, it glorifies him when we read the word because we're spending time with him. But it's not for him on a checklist. He wants you to know today that you can let go of all that guilt and all that condemnation. Romans 8 verse 1, it says, for there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He does not want you to live a condemned life, feeling like you're making mistakes and you have to go constantly, oh, God, I'm so sorry I failed. That's not, he's, he's not defining failure as you not doing enough. He's not defining failure as a mistake. What he defines as failure is, is the place of hell because that's the place where he isn't. That's the place where he isn't. Hell is a place where there's no presence of God and that's why it's so horrible yes there's torment yes there's fire yes there's all these things but it's the place without him and that's why it's so bad and the Lord wants you to know today it's not about the checklist it's about your heart being with him it's about you just being in his presence and and soaking him in to the point where you are radically changed and that's what this lifestyle looks like. It looks like a big love encounter with Jesus. So he's, he wants to set some of you free this morning from thinking that I've messed up. I'm not doing enough. I'm not where I need to be. Because that is the lie the enemy plants into your ear. And when you begin to speak it and agree with it, he takes, he takes over. But let me give you an example. If every night I'm going into my prayer closet and I say, God... I messed up today. I didn't read. I didn't pray. I just feel so far from you. How much time does that take up in your prayer? That the enemy has walked all over you and caused you to forfeit valuable time where you could just be listening to the Lord. Or he could just be loving on you. Or you could just be loving on him. Because it's all about that love encounter. For God so what? Loved that he gave everything. He is so invested 
and how much he loves you. Love is producing the salvation. Love, the love of God, because he sent everything he had because of love. And what his motivation is for you to be with him is love. He's restoring the thing that happened in the garden when, when Adam and Eve broke it. He's saying, let's get back to that. It's a place of communion that was broken by sin. It's a place of, of hearing his voice, hearing his whispers, and just being there and being with him. And that's what he wants you to know. It's not about your checklist. It's not about your mess. It's about your love connection with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's accessible to you, and he loves you. And Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus over every person that's struggling with their works and what they haven't done and how they've messed up and how they feel like a failure and how they feel like they're not enough. I rebuke every lie of the enemy right now that's speaking to hearts and minds saying you're not where you need to be. Yes, God, we thank you for your conviction because your conviction says, come be with me. I want to do better things inside of you. But condemnation says you're messing up. You're not enough. You're, it's always a negative connotation, but your conviction is different. It comes with love. Come. I love you. Let me pour my love on you. Let me heal this. Let me restore this. His voice is one of love. And Father, I thank you that your voice of love is penetrating every heart right now. I pray, God, for those that are hesitant to receive you, God, that they will, God, that they will, their heart will be softened and made receptive to you. And I pray for those that feel like they're so far away. I pray, God, that they remember the verses. And not only Romans 8, 1 that I just said about condemnation, but, but also in that same chapter, it says that no height, no depth, no, no principalities, no powers, no anything can separate us from the love of God. Only ourselves, just like only us can send us to hell. Only us can separate us from your love. And Father, in so many times, it's just that voice of guilt and condemnation that's separating us that we allow in. Lord, help us to rebuke that. Help us to rebuke the checklist from the enemy and the, the guilt and the condemnation and the voice that discourages us. And help us to look to you, God, and just be with you. God, I pray for a fresh love encounters over every person in this room that they know and encounter and fill you. In the name of Jesus, wreck every heart right now, God, and draw us all to you in Jesus' name. If that hits you between the eyes, thank you. If that hits you between the eyes and you feel like that's you and you just want Olivia to pray with you personally, I encourage you to do that. Just come, just come up and let her pray for you. And uh, she'd be glad to do that. I'm so glad you were here today. It's so awesome you being here today. And we want to pray over the ones that uh, are deer hunting this week. Father, we just pray safety. On the ones that are deer hunting, Father, we just pray safety on, on each one. And we just pray that uh, you just uh, help us. And God, we just give you thanks and praise and honor for that because you're worthy in Jesus' name. So glad you're here. We have connect groups at 10 o'clock. And then we have, uh, we have the Pulse Experience at 11 o'clock, which you're here at now. And you never know what God's going to do, but it's always exciting. Um, Don, come here because they're uh, going... Uh, put the lights on, and uh, we've got, uh, how many's downstairs? How many, what are those, those things you made? Yeah, pumpkin rolls, and, and let me just say, you can have mine, or you can buy mine, because I'm a big fan of Dawn, and her cooking, and JD's cooking, and Sandy's cooking, but what's in them thing? All, it does have cream cheese in it, doesn't it? You can't lie, you're up here by the altar. It's such a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tell us what's going on. You, she's in charge of outreach within our church. So we've got, uh, how many you got left downstairs? Um, I probably got about four. Hold up, there's some people. Oh, here. sorry. Yeah. I got about four pumpkin rolls left. Four homemade pumpkin rolls, $10 a piece? $10 a piece. Um, if, you, if, you get them, if you get them today, we'll make you a deal, $15 a piece. She's charging 10 <laughs> I'll charge five, 15. So, no, anyway, so you can, so you've got four lips to see Dawn. And uh, then we've got uh, Christmas parade coming up. Uh, we're hoping to have a Christmas parade, uh, to join into the Christmas parade. Um, we're wanting to do some caroling on a float. Okay, so doing some caroling. So Christmas, uh, and then. During the parade, of course. Okay, so those are all things that uh, are coming up. Any other thing? Breakfast. breakfast is Santa, which is 
not the first Saturday, but the following Saturday, which is, I think, the 10th. Because the parade's that Friday, isn't it? It's Friday and Saturday, yeah. We have one. Gasways this Friday night. and This Friday? No, no. the second. Uh, my glasses are up there. No, my glasses are up there. Let's see. So December 3rd is the parade. Um, well, Gasways is the second, which is the one that we'd be singing at. Oh, okay, the and second. And then the third one is Sutton's. Okay. And then um, Breakfast, Breakfast with Santa's, with Santa's on, the on the 10th. We're having our Thanksgiving, Christmas um, lunch on the 11th. On the 11th. Um, Jesse, do you have any turkeys and, and hams left? Okay, and you donated those last week, right? And so if you haven't, if you don't have a turkey or a ham, um, make sure that you see Jesse that he can get you, he can get you one uh, if, while supplies last. And they're free to you. Anybody else? Got a lot going on, so stay tuned to our Facebook page for all details. And don't forget your children. Don't, the daycare's closed today, so don't forget your children. Am I forgetting anything? Thanks, Don. All right, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Have a great day, everybody. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for what he's done. If you're visiting with us, make sure you go to the Welcome Center and there's a gift over there for you. You just pick it out and take it. And we're glad to have you tuned in, uh, those that are on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for being here. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Love you all.